Oh, God is good. Amen. Um, I want to just, I didn't do this last week, but I want to do this this week. Um, since we're doing seven messages on obedience, uh, we're on the second message of those seven. And all we're doing is we're just traveling through scripture in order to see what obedience really is. But I want to give you guys a scripture right now in Romans chapter 6 and starting in verse 15. Romans 6 verse 15. And this is going to be our, uh, if you want to call it our key verse throughout these seven messages. It's our key verse. And um, I want to focus on the word obey. Even though there's going to be a temptation to focus on the word choose. And um, I want to break down this uh, for us so we have an understanding. Let's pray. Father, I come before you. And I thank you that this was a time set aside for this. That we are not here by accident. But we are here by divine timing. Father, let your word speak. Give us eyes to ear, to eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit has for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in Romans 6, starting in 15, it says, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Don't you realize that you become a what? Okay, I just want to just want to emphasize that all of us are slaves. Oh, we hate that. Don't we? we just think we think slaves are mistreated. Yes, if you're if you're a slave to the flesh, you are mistreated. But if you are a slave to Christ, you are well taken care of. Amen. You can become a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God. Now, now watch this. You can be a slave to sin. It's interesting he doesn't say you can choose to be a slave to sin. No, he says you can be a slave to sin, meaning we're all born into slavery, into sin. That that's actually our disposition before we have this ability to choose. Amen. Can anybody in here say that in your mama's womb you, had a you made a decision to be sinful? Anybody? <laughs> so you didn't choose sin. We gotta, that's sobering, right? Like, I didn't choose it. But you can choose to obey God. I'm going to show you. Which leads to righteous living. Verse 17, thank God. Say, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> we need to thank him. Once you were slaves of sin, but now, say but now, you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. So I want to just give you a definition of the word choose, which I think is very appropriate for this text. And it is this. Decide on a course of action, typically after rejecting alternatives. Typically after rejecting alternatives, meaning you make a decision 
after you've rejected every other option. Is there anybody in here that can reject themselves without the Lord? Can you deny yourself without God? Some would say, well, yeah, I can, like, not, I can stop listening to certain music. Is that denying yourself or is that just stop listening to certain music? Now, stopping listening to certain music may be a reflection of denying yourself, but truly denying yourself is saying no to your entire nature. It's saying, I am not a slave to who I once was. And so because God has made me aware of the alternative, it would be foolish for me to not obey God. Do you see the difference that your decision to obey God is fully swayed by God himself? So when we talk about obedience, let me give you another aspect here. Can anybody be saved without Jesus Christ? So if Jesus Christ doesn't willingly come and obey the Father, you have no way to obey the Father. So if the first thing isn't happening first, there is no way to choose. As a matter of fact, if Jesus doesn't come, we're all destined to hell. Without the obedience of Christ, there is no obedience in me. And it's that same work, that same obedience of Christ that actually comes and shows me who I am, how wicked I really am without him, right? So we need to realize that obedience doesn't belong to me. Obedience does not belong to you. Obedience belongs to Christ. Amen. So this choice that I'm making was really made for me. It was made for me. Because without the working power of Christ, I have nothing to choose. And we need to be there right now. Because then you're going to struggle with your wanting to work this out. And you're going to really struggle with this message I'm going to give you tonight. So I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. How many of you guys know the story of David and Goliath? How many would say they know it really well? Like really well, like you know how to quote 1 Samuel 17 by heart. Not that well? Okay, how many of us in here can agree that we are selective readers and selective hearers? We see and hear what we want to see and hear, that without the Lord giving us revelation, we will skip over the life-giving power that's in the scripture and we'll pull out whatever story fits us. Like how many of you guys have heard the story of David and Goliath preached this way? God can use anyone. Even a 16-year-old boy if you have enough faith. And there's this emphasis on you believing and somehow that moves the hand of God and we fail to see the hand of God moving people into divine alignment with his will. We fail to see that who created David when he was in his mother's womb? Didn't David say that in Psalm 139, that you knew me and knitted me together in my mother's womb? So if God created David in his mother's womb, that also means he knew everywhere David would be 
He knew how David would believe, and he knew the very will of God that would come through this man. David didn't pop out and go, now let me start telling God what to do by my faith. Can anybody in here move God's hand by your faith? Man, that gets preached though, right? Let me ask you this question. Who guided the stone when it left his sling? There's nothing happening in your life right now. Nothing that has not been accounted for. Either you are on the side of righteous living with Christ or you are completely against God. There is no in-between. There is no in-between. And if those of you that are on the side of righteous living with Christ, you know very well the disposition of your heart. You can't take credit for anything. And if you're sitting next to somebody who is not, you, can't, you don't think you're better than them. You understand and empathize that this is the plan of God. And so I'm going to read through this chapter. It's going to be a long read. But may the Lord lead me and guide me to give you exactly what it is that the Father has. Here we go. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sako in Judah and Azekah at Ephes Damim. Saul, Saul, I keep saying Saul because of, <laughs> it's your fault, Saul. Saul, Saul, countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. Verse 3. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. And this would be the point where people would stop and go, and the, and the mountain might look big in your life. But it's not too big for God. Well, trust me, nine feet is like a milla ant. You know what I mean? Like, it's nothing compared to God. But we try to pump up the story. We like motivational speaking, right? In comparison to God, this man is nothing. Come on, if God be for you, that's the truth. Watch this, he's nine feet tall. Verse five, he wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He had my son Elijah strapped to his chest. That's what was going on right there. 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead at, that weighed 15 pounds. Pounds. I know some of you can't curl 15 pounds. I'm not looking at, I'm not looking over here. Isaac. <laughs> anyway. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted. Now watch this. A taunt across to the, to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Stop right there. If you had to pick one person to represent the nation of the United States, you'd pick the biggest, the best. Matter of fact, tonight, Israel Adesanya, and Yoel Romero are fighting, you'd probably pick Yoel Romero. 
You'd say, go, defend the, you'd pick somebody who knew what they were doing, right? If it was up to you to have to give a representation of the nation. Don't you know when God is with you? He represents himself, guys. He represents himself in your life. Every testimony you ever hear where somebody goes to court and didn't do time or somebody was supposed to be dead in a car wreck and survived, it was God representing himself in your life. It was not you. It was not you. Amen? Watch this. Verse 10. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Let me tell you what just happened right here. They all got ready for battle. They all got on their horses, in their chariots. They put on their armor. They got all the way to the front line. They were serious. They were loud with what they were doing. They were like, yeah, I'll go out there. We'll go kill the Philistine army. And they chickened out. You ever see somebody like that? Talking all that mess. Talking all that mess. Well, we bad. God's with us. Get there and be like, well, maybe God ain't with us. Okay, he look big. Because that looks trying. Because that looks difficult. Because that looks impossible. You know, it, it looked different in my mind. But when I finally got here, I was like, ooh, that's a whole lot different than I thought it was going to be. And here's one man taunting the entire nation. And what do they do? They fall back in fear. I'm going to give you a word right now. Don't you pray fear away. Because it could very well be leading into the very promise of God. If they don't fear, if they don't retract, if they don't back off, David never comes forward. So don't pray fear away, just pray to the Lord. He will give you a spirit that does not fear. He will give it to you, but you can't just pray it away. No, you come to God with your frailty. You don't try to appear strong. You're not strong. You're weak without God. Amen? So when you're afraid, go to God. Be afraid before the Lord. Amen. And see that he won't raise you up. Whew, thank you, Lord. Somebody needed to hear that right now. <clears throat> Verse 12. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Aphrodite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimei, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. Verse 14. David was the youngest son. David's three older brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father in, with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days. See, I bet you didn't know that about this story. You said, I know the story of David and Goliath. But here we have for 40 days. Is 40 days a long time? Anybody in here ever try to fast for 40 days? I did one time. When I was in high school, I made it to 18 days with only water. Yeah, it was horrible. It was the worst thing ever. I was not more spiritual at all. Like, I wasn't. I was actually more in the flesh. 40 days is a long time. But not only is 40 days a long time just in, in, in having to wait it out, 40 days is a long time to be taunted. 
Anybody ever been tormented by a spirit? Taunted by the devil? Laughed at, ridiculed? Every time you turn around, it's like, woe is me. 40 days is a long time for Israel to be afraid. How long have you been afraid? How long have you been sitting in that place? Because God wants to bring you out. I mean that. God wants to bring you out. But there's a way that God wants to bring you out. See, most people get caught in saying, man, that's an awesome story. That means that if there's any mountain in front of me and I have faith of a mustard seed, this is not talking about that. This whole thing, if you were here last week when we went through the last story and you understand that between the two, you have the same common theme. You have Gideon and what did the Lord say? I don't want Israel thinking that they can save themselves in their own strength. I don't want them thinking that. So you know what? I know you got 32,000 men against 200,000 men. We're going to dwindle that number down to 300 men so they will know that there is a God in Israel. God wants the glory. And he will make you afraid and remove you in order to get it. God will not share his glory with anyone. He will remove you. He will take the anointing from you. He will take the promise from you. Because he will not share his glory with us. There's only one reason why this is happening, and it is for the glory of God. So you look at your circumstance, look at your trial, look at whatever you think is a Goliath in your life and ask God, why did you put them there? Don't ask for them to go away because that might be the only thing causing you to turn to the Lord. And if God removes that giant before it's time, you may fall away from the Lord. You need giants in your life. Some, somebody better help me. You need problems in your life. You need hardship in your life. You curse your hardships. The scriptures say count it joy. You need problems. You need troubles. You need backbiters. You need offenses. Because when God delivers you, when God does the impossible, as we saw last week, when God sends his word and then removes the very thing that you've been crying out to him for, now when it gets removed, he gets the glory. He gets all your heart and attention. You say, there's no way this could have happened without you. Forty days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted. He strutted in front of the Israelite army. Now think about it, day one, he comes out. Don't you know who I am? They get scared. What does that do to, what does that do to Goliath? <sighs> boom, right? Boom, every day, boom. And when they send nobody, boom. And you're gonna feel that way. Taunting, 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 ah, right? Let me tell you a prophetic word. The church is feeling that right now. The church of Jesus Christ is feeling taunted by this false gospel that's out there. 
The church of Jesus Christ is hearing the taunting saying, send somebody who will win these people back. Taunting. And you have to ask, why are they there? Because there's going to come a day when the Lord will deliver his people again. All through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament, the entire gospel is about God letting the world know that he is with his people. This is the entire gospel. It has nothing to do with us. We should just say thank you that we're not on the opposite side. Thank you that I'm not the one getting a stone shoved into my forehead. Thank you that I'm not cut off from the vine. Cut out from the sheep fold. Thank you that I'm involved with Christ. We should be thankful. We should be thankful. He strutted. Verse 17. One day Jesse said to David, one day. I love that. Because you're over here, you know. Israel's over here afraid. The giant's there. What are we going to do? They don't know that over here in this other place, far from them, where they cannot hear anything, they can't get a report, all of a sudden, Jesse, one day. Oh, you need a one day in your life. Huh? One day, everything changes. One day, just from a simple task. It could be, my wife does eyelashes. It could be a client coming in one day. It could be somebody coming into your job one day. It could be somebody coming into your life one day. You just need that one day. Because whether that one day is destined and ordered by God, it has power in it. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. One day, get up and go to church. Just go there. Get up and call your sister. And just take them some bread. Just go do something. And you're just along the way. (laughs) This person's just coming, this hero. In the form of a 16-year-old boy. In a package that you would never look for. Somebody help me. You pray to God with expectations of what it's going to look like. And when he sends the thing that is going to deliver you, you ignore it. That's what the flesh does. God has sent a message to the city of Fresno through Pathway Family Church. And people are going, that's just a ruggedy little boy. That's just a little, little ministry over on Fresno and Ash. It's just a little, it's harmless. They don't, they're not grown enough to wear what we wear. If we put what we have on them, it'd be too heavy. Well, God don't need heavy. Somebody help me. I, I keep saying help me because I need to be in agreement with the believers who understand what the Spirit of God is saying now. Not tomorrow. Now. He's just going along his way. Verse 18, and give these 10 cuts of cheese. Man, my wife likes cheese, boy. I see you. And we went to, on a side note, little rabbit show. So we went to uh, Nueva Vision. We went to a meeting today of an outreach that we're doing here for the community, right? And they kept asking, you want food? And I was like, no, we're going to go to lunch afterwards. You know, Mexicans put it right in front of you anyway, right? All of a sudden, I got eggs, beans, and a slab of cheese. It was so good. It was good. It, w- it didn't crumble. 
It was wet, but man, it was good. So anyways, I would like 10 cuts of cheese if I was at battle, right? He said, take it to the captain. Look at, see how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. You see how Jesse's just being concerned? I got a question for you. Why are you, why are you turning to people who are just doing what they're concerned about for godly wisdom? You have people in your life that are there just to tell you to carry some bread somewhere. They are not your spiritual advisor. Somebody needs to hear that right now because you keep trying to make everybody your spiritual counselor. You have one counselor. One. It's the Holy Spirit. Allow everything to be. Don't try to make people something they're not because Jesse was just his dad. I'm being real. He probably had his own relationship. I don't know, but it doesn't matter, right? So what does David do? He does what his dad said, right? He said, bring back the support. David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. And I think it's interesting that they're fighting, but they're not fighting. They're fighting, but they're not fighting. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early. And next morning, with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him, he arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of, the, keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. Watch this in verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Now, I just want to pause because I want you to realize it's been 40 days. <clears throat> when he came up, they were shouting battle cries. They did that every day. So they literally every day came, pumped themselves up, like this is the day we're going to do it. And they get there, and the Philistine comes out, and they're afraid, and they run away. For 40 days, you would say to yourself, and they're really scared, or he's really terrifying. No, God's really good. No, no, God is really good. That he kept them from killing each other so he can get where he wanted to be, so God can get where he wanted to be, in the person that he wanted to be in to do the thing that he wanted to do. He wasn't delaying. And let me give you some more insight on this, that God does not change, but every single time he wants glory, he does it on his time. Was it not Lazarus that was dead for four days? Did we not just read this in prayer last night if you were there? We read it in the scripture that he said, listen, disciples, it's for God's glory that he's sleeping. It's for the glory of God that he fell sick and is dead. Like that is, and so I'm not going right now because it's not time. I'm going to go when it's time. When they fully believe he's dead. Because if he goes on the first day, well, maybe he wasn't really dead. Second and third, the body is maybe decaying. Fourth day, for sure it stinks in there. For sure if you roll that stone away, right? 
Well, 40 days. 40 days of the same stuff, and they're going, when is this ever going to end? Getting out there, running away, looking like a bunch of crazy people, right? I'm going to do it today. No, you're not, because the Lord is going to do it when he's ready. He does it on his time. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you, it's like Groundhog Day, man. Have you ever seen that movie, that old movie? Like, show up, run away, show up, run away. It's crazy. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and a man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David asked, and I just think this is so, so amazing. He asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, and I just think this is awesome, he didn't go, yes, a wife and no taxes. It doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> you know you would have said that. Come on, brother. Y'all would have been like, shoot, I'll go do it. <laughs> no taxes? A wife? I'm going to die one day anyway. Let's go, you know. No, he said, who is this man that defies See, it was in his heart to look at the greater picture. There was, a, there was a disposition placed in him that was greater than even his own desire to want a wife and, and, and to have extra money or whatever you want. To. There was a disposition, a righteous disposition. It was a spirit that came upon David, the Holy Spirit, because no man in their right mind, if you want to call it, it's really the wrong mind, but no man in their flesh would ever Look away from that reward. They would say, can I get two daughters? Can I get two wives, three concubines? I mean, hook me up, man. This guy's big. Can I get one for every foot, please? Like nine? You would have added sauce on it, but no, he says, who is this? Because the spirit of God was welling up in him. And watch this. But when David's older, brothers, Iliab, older brother, Iliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. I want to show you something right now. When you are doing the thing that God has called you to do, people are going to lie on you. They're going to accuse you of having motives you don't have. Do you guys believe that David's motives were impure? Well, we know the story, so they couldn't have been, right? But listen to what his own brother said. You know you got a family member like this. What are you doing around here anyway? First of all, let's just, I could preach on that phrase. Just talking down to him. Looking at his age, looking at his size, looking at who, and just observing from the outside. Well, you know, people are observing at the church of Jesus Christ, the true church, from the outside. They say, those are a bunch of weird people. What do they know about organization? What do they know about administration? What do they know about the gifts of the Spirit? What do they know? What, how many scholars do they have? How much knowledge do they possess? 
You mean to tell me one of them's only been saved six months? <laughs> oh, Jim. How silly, right? This is what they do. He said, what are you doing around here anyway? <laughs> Watch this. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? What about that little church you're supposed to be watching after? What about those little, like, what, 10 people go there or something like that? What about that? Go, go, go. You, got, you got enough problems. Go over there. That's what the religious institutions say without saying it. What do you know anyways? New church pops up in town. Don't even have to be the church of God. It could totally be something else. And they go, ah, what do they know? They're new. They're young. They're this. They're that. Shut up. Shut up. Devil, shut up. Because this is not about us. Who are these people preaching this gospel that doesn't belong to Jesus Christ? Who are these people preaching a self-centered gospel that defy the armies of the Lord? It's the same difference. Except this is, watch, watch his brother, this is harsh. Look at what his brother said. I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. You just want to be a part of what's going on, David. You just want to say you saw it. You've been here. I see your pride. They called what David had pride. And they called him deceitful. And he was the only one who stood up and said, who is this ugly Philistine? Notice that the cowards will always be quick to talk. And here's the amazing thing about God. He'll save the coward. He loves them too. Were you not one? David stands up. He says this to his brother. Watch. <laughs> what have I done now? <laughs> you know he was picked on, right? <laughs> like, what have I done now? My God, can't you just leave me alone? You know, I mean, what have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Look at David. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. We got any 16-year-olds in here? 15-year-olds? Nate, you're 17. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. All right, you're 5'10", maybe one. 160, you know, it's more than that, but I'm showing you love. 173, okay. That's my son. He has to be exact. Give us the ounces. Point nine, point nine. I knew it. <laughs> Five ten, nine foot. 16, you can sit down. 16, 17-year-old boy. It's like him coming. Yeah, it's like him coming and representing all of us. Who in here would allow him to do that? I mean, just even out of sure love would allow him to do that. Yeah, sit down. Pick up your guitar, Nate, and just worship. That's what you're good at. That's all you are good for. <laughs> Nate would say, don't worry. I got it, right? <laughs> like, I got this. I'll go fight him. 
Look at Saul's reply. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way. Look at the, look at the strong words. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by its jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. Oh my, oh my, I have to say it. And I'll do it again, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Now I wanna, I wanna just let you know that just a few moments ago, Saul said, this is nuts. You're crazy. This is ridiculous. You're just a girl. I know, she's like, don't pick, pick somebody else. You're, you're tiny, you're petite, you can never do this. And in a moment, in a moment, just say that, in a moment, because just like that, the word of the Lord comes through David, and a man who is the king of the entire nation, who has it all riding on his shoulders, has anybody ever felt like everything was on your shoulders? Has it all riding on his shoulders, has to tell everyone there that if this little boy dies, we're all slaves to the Philistines. Have you ever seen this story that way? No, you don't see it because they, when people preach this story, they don't preach it for the glory of God. They preach it for the emphasis of man. What you get out of the deal. I'm sorry, but no king in their right mind, which is really their wrong mind, would allow a 16-year-old boy to represent the country. I'm sorry. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor. Don't you know that person who finally consents in your life, right? You've been telling them the whole time, like God wants me to do this certain thing. They're like, you're crazy. And then finally God does something in your life to show them that God is with you. Oh, yeah, I knew the whole time, honey. I knew the whole time. Here, you know what? Here's a little bit of money. You're going to need it. Here's my armor, David. You're going to need it. We love a little bit of credit, don't we? The only reason why Saul was giving him the armor is because he wanted to, I'm telling you, in his heart, and I can say this with all confidence, if David wins, yep, it's because my armor saved him, guys. You got some high-quality armor right there. I know that's in his heart because he's walking in the flesh, and the flesh will do that. So finally, he consented. He gave him his armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, and you'll even do that. You'll even take it. Sometimes you need to give it back. Let me tell you like this. You have a bill that you need paid, and someone comes to give you money, who's giving it to you? 
What if it's not the Lord? Are you going to give it back? That's what happens in our lives. The enemy will send people to be attached to the blessing of God. Because then they, they can say, I helped you. And God doesn't want help. He's saying, give it back. Don't trip out whenever you go in your backyard and you find a, a piece of grass with a $100 bill on it. You guys are telling me like I'm crazy. You don't know God. He wants the glory. I said he wants the glory. This is the only reason why obedience matters. Obedience only matters for the glory of God. Not because you get something for it. Huh? Obedience leads to righteousness for the glory of God. We like, no, nah, I want to be righteous. I don't want nothing from anyone that doesn't come from the Lord. I don't want anyone getting credit for what God is doing in the body of Christ. I don't want anybody saying that we're doing this for any other reason other than Jesus Christ. Don't you come over here and give us something to put on stage so you can say you helped. You can keep it. It doesn't fit anyway. Somebody got to, you got to help me. It doesn't fit anyway. Because before you know it, you're dimming the lights and beatboxing on stage, trying to get everybody excited <laughs> for a word that doesn't, it's not made for that. This armor wasn't made for David. It wasn't made for the will of God. If God wanted David to have armor, don't you know he would have had it laying on the side of the road? He'd have handed it over to him. I can't go in these, he protested. I'm not used to them. So David, what? Took them off. He gave them back. Verse 40, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed with his shepherd's staff in a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Verse 44, come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, and listen to these words very carefully. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel. The God of the armies of pathway. Yeah. Do you doubt it? What causes you to doubt that God is here? What causes you to doubt that the message that is here is the true message of Jesus Christ? What causes you to doubt if you belong, not just at Pathway, but in the kingdom? What causes you to doubt if it's real or not? What causes you to fear? Is it people-pleasing? Is it because you know so-and-so and you don't want to hurt their feelings? Hurt their feelings. David had no problem hurting the feelings of the Israelites. He was like, hey, you guys are cowards. 
Who's this man? That's what he was saying, even though he didn't say it. Everybody else running in fear, and he's like, why, why is he even allowed to do this? What are you talking about? You know, I'm a man. I've been fighting all my life, right? Like, what is causing you to not receive what God is doing here? And I'm not saying that everybody isn't. I'm just, I'm putting the question out there because you come at me with javelin. You come at me with spear. You come at the message of Jesus Christ with works, with efforts, with methods, and all these other things, thinking that somehow that is the way. But we come in the name of the Lord. It is the name of the Lord that saves at your same events. It's the name of the Lord that saves through the sermons you preach. It's the name of the Lord that saves, not you. I don't care how many salvations came through your service. I don't care to know if God used you. I care to know if it is God using you. I don't care to know about anything else. And I don't care what you say about me. Because I do not speak like this as a man. I don't speak like this as a man. My flesh won't let me. I'm the most proud, the most self-centered. I want everything to be clean. This looks dirty. This looks hard to understand. But who is this spirit that comes against the city of God? Are you able to see it? Because that's what it is. It's a lying deceiving spirit and it causes God's people to focus on themselves running in fear rather than risking their lives we should all be risking our lives every day we should be risking our reputation for the sake of Jesus Christ every time we have a chance we should be telling somebody at the sake of rejection Jesus are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing what the Lord is saying? Because David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. What did he say? Today I will? The Lord will. Watch this. And I will kill you. See the difference in that? I'm just going to do the... I'm going, to do, I'm going to finish his, his, his work there. He's going, he going to give you to me, and I'm going to take it. And then I will give your dead body. Look, he said, matter of fact, he said, I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give, you, give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that I am a God. That I am like God. Know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. <laughs> and he will give you to us. The story goes on where Goliath attacks. David reaches into his bag, throws the stone, 
It sinks into Goliath's forehead. He drops to the ground. David goes, takes his sword, cuts his head off. Cuts his head off. And with his head, he takes it back to Saul. With a head in his hand. Not a make-believe head. A real head. Because that's how serious God is about anyone defying him. Take a deep breath and just, chew, just, just breathe out because God chopped his head off. But you know what's so amazing about this Lord we serve? Just because he's, he's God? Is he don't leave it there, does he? Because who else got their head chopped off? Paul. A man of God. So see, God's not a favor. He doesn't show favoritism, does he? But he will... Make it where it's off with your head if you defy him and off with your head if you obey him. Let me say it again. You can lose your head in defiance to God or you can lose it in obedience to God. Either way, you will lose your head. Come on, somebody help me. You are sitting in a place that is anointed. It is anointed with the spirit of God. This is the truth. There's, there is no passing a basket because you feel away because we need money. No, keep your money. Listen to what I'm about to say. Keep it. God doesn't need it. He never did and he never will. And if nobody gave in this church, we'd end up in homes anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some of us were like, man, that's not a bad idea. Aaron. <clears throat> but it can't be that way. Because it has to be in obedience to God. This is the truth. I am telling you with everything that's in me, and I really do not care what my brothers have to say. I'm sorry. I don't care what Big Brother has to say. I don't. Big Brother's saying, Tony, you're out of your mind. Tony, this. They put the focus on man all the time, right? Here's David getting it from everybody else, but he's there representing the Lord, an ambassador of God. And I'm telling, I'm, I say it with everything that's in me, my brothers and sisters, this message is the only message. There is one, one Lord, one truth, one baptism, one God, one. There's not many, one. That means there's only one that gets glory, there's only one that gets the, gets the credit. There's only one that does the work. There's only one that manifests himself. There's only one that empowers. There's only one that gives and takes away. One. One. And the deceit of the other whatever Philistine that's out there that's pretending to be something that is not of God and it's out there. It's a spirit. That spirit is coming into the churches all over this country. And speaking a message that does not point to the one of glory of God to the one, it is saying, no, it's all about me. I'm the center of the story. And some people would tell me right now, Tony, I've been following you for two years, three years, four years. No, follow Christ. Don't follow me. Follow Christ. And if you follow Christ, go ahead and pick up your Bible, 
open it and read it, and you're going to hear the same message I'm preaching to you. You're going to see it right in the word. There is one. One. Denominations, off with their head. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm not saying that they're bad if they have them. I'm saying that's not the one church. I'm sorry. Baptists aren't the only ones getting in. Pentecostals aren't the only ones getting in. Christians are divided. God has allowed it. God has allowed it. But you know what else he's allowed? For a little rugged boy to make his way on the battlefield. Oh, yeah. And he's getting ready to do it again. I'm going to close with this. Obedience, number one, doesn't belong to you. If you see it in somebody else's life, what are you supposed to do? Glory to God. Don't nobody take obedience and wear it as a badge of honor. Because we're no good without God. Amen? But I'm going to say this. I heard a story the other day. Reminding of us of a testimony of a revival that took place in the 90s. It was in a, a small area. But in the course of four years, by word of mouth only, four million people came through those doors. Word of mouth. You had to stand in line at 7 o'clock in the morning just to make it to the 6 o'clock service at night. And people would wait, and they would wait. And when they would walk through the doors, there was a physical experience of God's glory. It was tangible, like when I touch you like this, that when they walked through the doors, God's glory was tangible. And they came, and they came, and they came, and he's going to do it even greater, I'm telling you. I am not talking in hopes. I'm talking in truth. He's going to do it even greater because we truly are in the last days. And I asked myself this question, why did it stop? That was the question. Because didn't that sound amazing? That you could walk in and whatever. I mean, what happens? You just fall over? I don't know. You float? I have no idea what happens in the glory of God. I've only tasted this much. I've only had a little bit of it. But I said, where, why did it stop? And this was the Lord's answer. Because I said so. We hate that, don't we? And you know what people were left with when he said, okay, I'm done, I'm leaving now? You know what they did? They prayed harder. They started doing all the things that, hoping that somehow they would, that he, they would make God show up again. Instead of going and just doing what God is asking them to do, they wanted to stay in that place forever. And God does not manifest his glory on earth so you can stay in his glory. Listen to what I'm going to say. He doesn't manifest it so you can be put and never be useful. He manifests it so you can go. So you can go. So you can take the glory with you. And I'm going to share this testimony for those of you that didn't know it. But I want that. I'm, I'm just letting you know that experience, I want that and everything else God has. I want people to come because the Spirit of God has drawn them. 
And I want people to look and say, why are people going? What are they doing? What, is it, what secret sauce do they have? And when they come and look, they realize it's Jesus. That it's Christ. I'm tired of fake religion. And I'm not crying because I'm tired. I'm excited. Don't misunderstand my tears. Because it's going to happen. Oh, do you remember when there was only 10? You know over 300 people have come through these doors and left with the truth. Preach to them. You know God knows how to take a dormant seed and bring it to life. Come on, somebody. Wasn't that you when you were sitting wherever you were at and all of a sudden the veil got torn off and you're like, whoa, because he put seeds inside of you long ago. And then when the timing was right, he brought you to life. This is the glory of God. And our sister Bree came last week and I got to pray with her right here in the front. And the spirit of the Lord came upon me and told me very specifically, showed me this taller man, broad shoulders, said that this, this relationship, there was abuse, verbal abuse, and there was, this, there was this abuse going on. And the Lord said, it's time to cut it off. The Lord said, it's time to cut it off. Not you. It's time. And you know, when the one day comes, the moment comes, the messenger comes, when Christ comes, you better take it serious. Because there was no coincidence that before this message, God had that manifest. And so she's sitting there going, she looked right at me. And she goes, how did you know everything? And I said, I don't. Did I not say that? I said, I don't know anything. The Lord knows everything. <clears throat> From Saturday to Monday, all of a sudden, the I didn't know she was in a relationship with this man. I, didn't, I had no clue. All of a sudden, he gets drunk so bad that he drives on a highway, on a speed, uh, high-speed chase, hits five different cars, injured two people, three people, and got arrested and went to prison on Monday. Now you would say to me, why would God allow something like that to happen? Why does he chop Philistines' heads off? You ask me. I don't know why he does those things other than it's for his glory. And we don't know if that man, when he's in prison, is going to get saved. We pray for that. Salvation come, Lord. All the way around, let it be a testimony. But don't you know that it was the Lord that did what she could not do? And she didn't come like, oh my God, I'm free. There was sorrow there, pain there, grief. Because it hurts when something gets. But the healing is amazing. And the peace that God gives is amazing. That God would allow this to say, you know, every single one of you right now, I'm commissioning you as a man of God and as somebody who is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to surrender your life again 
Don't get up from the place that God has found you. Do not get up from the feet of Jesus. Don't become a know-it-all. Don't try to memorize this Bible back and front in order to be somebody. Don't do it. Don't do it. Serve the Lord. Surrender to God. <laughs> when the timing is right, he will empower you. When the timing is right, he'll call you down from mountains and bring you back into valleys. And you know what, Sandra? You thought somehow that was just a move. It was very prophetic. God took you from a mountain and brought you literally in a valley. And you'll wonder why there's, ah, because you're not on the mountain, sweetie. But the same God that was with you there is with you here. And he is good. Oh, man. So, Father, we thank you for your word. It's grace, life, and truth. I thank you for your anointing right now. I thank you for your anointing right now. I, uh, even under the anointing, um, Tommy, right? Are you a songwriter? Do you like poetry? Do you like songs? Have you ever desired to write and sing? I pray in the name of Jesus that God anoint you to sing songs for the Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that God meet you right where you are with the gift that he put in your heart and that you would sing for no other, that you wouldn't sing for yourself, that you wouldn't sing for the world, that you would sing for the Lord in Jesus' name. He's gonna give you songs now. He's going to stir in your heart melodies. God is going to stir in your heart melodies. Melodies so sweet like a violin. He's going to stir melodies in your heart. You're going to find yourself humming new sounds, new things. God is going to begin to anoint you with music. There's going to come a time when you're going to get tempted to want to take pride in that because you're gonna find validation in the gift and the praise of men. But God is gonna show you and remind you of this word because he's given you a gift. And it is not for you. It is only for the glory of God. I thank the Lord for his presence right now and what he's doing in this place. And every person that's here witnessing what God is doing, do, you don't have to boast about it. You don't even need to tell anybody about it. But you definitely shouldn't hide the light that it brings into your life. 